Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. Welcome to Episodio 86, Episode 86. Wow. 86. See. It was wild last week with 85, and now it's a bigger I know. In 14 weeks, we'll be at 100. Oh, cool. Cento. Cento. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and you all know by now, Tommaso. Tommaso Fabuloso. Si. Oh, dear. Mia. (laughs) (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. All right. I would like to start off and say what kind and funny reviews we got this past weekend. A very big grazie mille to Design Girl DC for her description of Tommaso and I being the quote-unquote click and clack of travel. And I thought those names were, you know, from like an old Saturday morning cartoon, but Tommaso filled me in on its origins. You not being a New Englander by birth Mm -hmm. uh, and not from really being Boston way back when, click and clack were car talk. (laughs) Started in Boston. When that I was is, that is C A R T A L K for those of you that don't know car talk. A lot of good things came out of Boston, <laughs> particularly Boston University where I went, and that was Ray and Tom Maglioni. Magliozzi. Magliozzi. So I, I'm gonna talk like they talked. Okay, I mean a lot of things came out of Boston, like Dunkin' Donuts. We've all seen uh, Ben Affleck at the uh, you know his Boston accent while he's serving up. The same thing with Tom and um, Tom and Ray. Car Talk started in 1977. But hold on, were did they refer to themselves as Click and Clack? Yes. Oh, like they would look at each other on the radio show and say, it, "Hey, Click." It became a, a joke. Okay, it became okay. a running joke. And I've got to tell you one story about Car Talk <laughs> because my mother, <laughs> my mother had a car in the yard. <laughs> God. When I was in high school, she bought she bought a like nineteen uh, I don't know sixty six Valiant, and uh, it was baby blue, and that was going to be my car when <laughs> when sorry <laughs> when I got a license. But I realized if I didn't have a car, the girls would pick me up, so I didn't get the car. But it sat in the yard. <laughs> but I was listening to car talk one day, and they talked about the slant six engine. And, and that is the Plymouth the Valiant Slant Six engine ran forever, and at the time I was listening, I was broke as a church mouse, mm-hmm. and I said to myself, I kicked myself in the butt, going, "I should have taken that car from my mama, <laughs> mother, my mother." Anyway, <laughs> car talk was amazing. It had a, just an amazing run. Stopped in 2021, but and now it's on. Of a course, podcast. of course, it is. From NPR, from National Public Radio. Yes, which WBUR was one of the first stations in Boston. All right, I just want to explain something. For for those of you listeners to Kimberly's Italy from the 124 countries around the globe, the city of Boston is on the East Coast, north of New York City. And as you just heard, Bostonians truly have a very unique accent. So after I read this review, I naturally had to... Look online, and sure enough, on Apple Podcasts is Car Talk. Okay, I can't do imitations. You sound like you're from Long Island. (laughs) 
I cannot do an imitation to save my life. Anyway, so I listened and I was crying, laughing. And Tommaso, you can imitate it very well. I grew, I grew up there. I know, but I thought, well, you don't sound like that on our podcast. So for well, Design I, Girl, wrote, uh, des, what's her name? Design Girl DC, she's only referring to our back and forth, I think, is click and clack, not your accent. Right. Well, the okay. reason why I don't have the accent, all my friends did growing up, is I grew up with a terrible stutter. And I learned how to speak by watching TV. And at that time, there was no one with a Massachusetts accent on TV. <laughs> no one. It's, you Good sounded point. like you were from a third world country. <laughs> anyway, I love the accent. It's great. I love the fact I'm from around Boston. It was a very funny review. So thank you very much. I, I just want to say one thing. We've been arguing over who is click and who is clack. <laughs> I, I, I want to be click. <laughs> Anyway, another shout out to 20 Struggles for her review. And we really appreciate your comments about how we tend to be very honest in our descriptions of various destinations. And it's true. We do point out the good and the bad of each place, with obviously the good far outweighing the bad aspects. And also the fact that she feels she can, quote unquote, feel the vibe from our descriptions of a city or a village. And that is very satisfying to hear because there's nothing better than to listen to something, someone, and feel that you came away knowing what the place is like. So thank you very much. And finally, I'm sorry to share this news with you, 20 Struggles, but we're recording this episode at 10 a.m. So we are not having a cocktail that you can join us in when you listen. Or unless you, she listens at night, or go we could ahead. have just had a Bloody Mary, but we didn't. No, it's a Tuesday morning. I know, I know. And as a matter of fact, it's our first official snowstorm of the entire year here on the East Coast in Little Rhode Island. And it is so beautiful outside. But the irony is, we're about to talk about my trip to Capri at the end of October. And it was so warm, so Awesome. So hot, so sunny, and here we are in the snow. Alora, for those of you who have had Capri on your bucket list, this episode is for you. And I've actually heard from several clients, past clients or listeners that are going to Capri this year. And keep this in mind, you all know that while you're going, it will be the high season and there are ways to avoid all the mayhem, which I have described before. This episode is on my trip in the off season, but take away from it what you'd like. So as I mentioned, the tourists kind of arrive to Capri the beginning of May and it stays that way all the way through until they shut down for the season. Most hotels close by mid-October or so, but there are a few holdouts until the 1st of November. However, my situation in October is that there were seven of us, so I rented an Airbnb instead. And this is from the same trip last fall where I escorted a group of six women. They were all friends with each other from university. Kitten Club 3. Kind of. It didn't officially have the name, but technically it was Kitten Club 3. And I covered the first part of this trip in episodes 73, 74, and 75. But then we veered off track due to the holidays and our trip to Copenhagen and Italy. So now we're picking up again because there's a lot to share on everywhere we went on this trip and including some very valuable travel tips that I'll get into, which I learned from this trip. So we took a train from Rome to Napoli, and then outside of the Napoli train station, I found a passenger van 
in the queue for taxis. And I have to say that as crazy as Napoli is, the taxi line is very well organized with people patiently waiting in line. That's not really true. There were a couple blowhards that tried to cut in, but <laughs> but they were quickly put. Blow, those those are called blowhards. <laughs> if you're clicking clack, they were quickly put back in place by the main Womo. Womo means man. The man in charge of that taxi line in Napoli. He uh, he got those guys back in line, or actually flicked out of the city. I don't know. I would just suggest to always, always follow the instructions of a man, any man in charge of anything in Napoli, if you get my drift. And don't be a blowhard. (laughs) So the taxi van ride with the local driver was the first for all these women. None of them had been in Napoli before, and it delivered just as I thought it would for their virgin ride in Napoli. The driver, of course, I asked him right away, so are you from Napoli? Oh, he was talking so loud in his Napolitano dialect, gesturing with two hands some of the time, occasionally keeping one on the wheel nonstop, and so excited to tell me about the fact that he is Napolitano, Napolitano, not just half and half. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all from Napoli. And then he asked me, well, where did you come from today? I said, Rome. <laughs> with that, he goes, Roma, non è un, non è un vera città. That's no real city. <laughs> this, it's, it's a suburb of Napoli. This is the real Italy. And I was thinking to myself, like, hmm, just yesterday afternoon, I was walking around the Roman Forum, Augustus's Forum, thinking about the incredible history and everything that happened in Rome. And now this driver in Napoli is telling me, no, non è una vera città. <laughs> so once he dropped us off at the ferry dock, I had to go get a printed version of the ferry tickets that I purchased online a month earlier. And I want to share this little travel tip with you because it's very easy to get confused when you buy ferry tickets online. And I highly recommend you do that because they definitely sell out during the busy season. So when buying your ticket online for a ferry, you have to state your destination and the amount of luggage per person. That is molto, molto importante. I saw so many people being kicked back out of the line. You had to go to a little kiosk, pay for your luggage, not there on the boat. So state your luggage, your destination, and then you get an email confirmation. And sometimes you get a QR code included with that email, and sometimes you don't. Sort of like taking the train sometimes we had the train issues. No, totally different story. The train email confirmations Always have the QR code because Train Italia, they are very good. Oh. The issues we had were mistakes oh. I, I made. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Not with the ticket or the QR code. Okay. So click. let's be clear about that. Clack. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, my email confirmation for the ferry tickets from Napoli to Capri did not contain the QR codes. So once we were at the dock, I had to find the kiosk of that company, Caramar, I think it was, in this like funny array of kiosks under this common roofing. And they all had the metal grates that open and close. To, so you find the kiosk of your company and the grates close. And then you think, well, the boat's arriving soon. So you walk around again. 
five minutes later, the grates open. You go in and show them your email confirmation. And then she says, va bene. And through kind of like a cash register receipt, like those handheld credit card machines, she prints out this like two foot long receipt (laughs) that had the QR code for each passenger and the QR code for the luggage. So I walk back with the two foot long receipt and all the girls were waiting in this little cafe where they had a, you know, coffee or whatnot. And I was like, let's go wait at the gate of that particular dock. And they're like, we'll meet you there. It's like, you know, the sooner you get in line, the better your chances are of getting an okay seat on the boat. So that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us uh, had less than opportune seats, but whatever, we were on the boat. And it takes about 50 minutes and everyone gets so excited the closer the ferry gets to the big rock ahead. And Capri has such a distinctive outline and shape to it. And besides that visual, the air, I'm telling you, I don't know why, but it somehow smells different. The women from Maine, there were three sisters that all grew up in Maine. They, One of them said it, mm, such a different, different aroma, different smell out here in the Tyranian Sea. And then if you turn around and look behind you where you came from and toward the south, you see the Amalfi Coast. So it is an absolutely stunning, stunning boat ride. It's just a complete dream to come up to Capri by boat, which is the only way you can get there. And it probably is even more beautiful if you're on a small private boat instead of the big crowded ferry. But either way, Everyone, collectively, you can feel this happy vibe on the boat as you arrive to Capri. So we get off, we go to the taxi queue there on the in Marina Grande of Capri. And since it was the end of October, the boat was crowded, but not complete mayhem because it was actually the only boat that arrived at that time. Unlike my previous recent trips to Capri, there's five, eight boats coming in at the same time with thousands of people. So when we got to the taxi queue line, it wasn't that bad. And the taxis in Capri are unique to Capri itself. They are like these elongated sedans or miniature minivans. They're very colorful. We had this like sherbet lime green colored one. <laughs> and the best part is the cabriolet top, the um, convertible top, literally rolls all the way back. So you're in a convertible which is a minivan or this funny sedan and is bright and colorful. So I found a driver, a very friendly driver, and I gave him the address to the villa where we were staying, which was on the other side of the island in between the top of the island and down at Marina Piccola. So I gave him the address and I put four of the women in there and said, we'll meet you there. I have the code to the gate. Just wait outside the villa. And I had never been to this particular villa, but I do know where it is in the street that it's on. So the rest of us, the three remaining people, we got into another taxi a few minutes later. (laughs) And since I could only see these women, I assume the other four women had the same crazy taxi ride number two of the day. Napoli was one thing, but this was different because it's so 
beautiful. At least if you die, you're going to die in a beautiful exactly, place. Exactly, not Napoli. Yeah, no, right. no offense. No, it's Napolitano, but... Napolitano. <laughs> <laughs> and that driver, by the way, you know how he said it in Italian? He goes, io sono Napolitano, Napolitano, cento per cento, Napolitano. That means 100%. So this taxi ride in Capri was crazy as in the very narrow, very steep, very windy roads that he had to go up in order to get over the top of the island and then head back down the island with the same amount of narrow switchbacks that barely, this road barely fits one car, but you come across a car coming the other direction and just instantly they just, you know, go as far as they can to either side. There's about two centimeters in between. I think personally that these drivers get a complete kick out of the fact that there's first timers in the back of the car. The more gasps they hear, they're like, wow, just of course they do. Up a bit. Of course they do. <laughs> and these women had never been there. And, and one of them was really kind of like not freaking out, but it was it, it was definitely she was not accustomed to ever being in a car ride like that. <laughs> I was in the front seat with the guy just laughing and smiling. But just like Napoli or Roma or Milano, you never seem to see a car accident. Italians are excellent drivers. They just have a built-in need for speed and little a little excitement. A little daredevil in their blood. So, and also our funny driver, he was just like the Napolitano Napolitano. In this case, Marco was Caprese, Caprese. Same story of lineage. And again, these people are so proud of it. And I personally would be also proud if I came from one of the most beautiful islands in the world. So we met the other women in front of the gate to the villa. And I remember noticing that one of them from the first car <laughs> looked very relieved to be out of the taxi. She looked a little clammy. <laughs> no, she was just kind of sweaty. Kind of sweaty and white. <laughs> yeah. So I opened the gate and we hauled our luggage up about 20 or 30 stone steps to the terrazza of the villa. And we all kind of simultaneously put our luggage down and just took in the absolute most picturesque view possible of Capri. The Faraglioni rocks out in the ocean. It was amazing. It literally takes your breath away, to be honest. And it didn't, to me, I hadn't even gone into the villa yet, and it didn't matter if it was nice or not. The terrazza was all we needed. The first thing we did after our very long day of travel, which started in Rome, we took taxis to the station in Rome and then the train to Napoli and then that taxi drive and then the boat, another taxi drive. And then we were finally there in Capri on that terrazza. So the first thing we did was change into beachwear and walk down the hundreds and hundreds of stone steps to the beach at Marina Piccola. And like a complete dope, I forgot <laughs> forgot my bathing suit, the only one that did so. And I just wore, you know, some sundress or whatnot and sneakers. I told everyone, wear sneakers. Do not go down these steps in flip-flops. Did you go in the water? Well, just, you know, up to my ankle, uh, up to my knees or something. But no, I had it, a dress it, on. Oh, it wasn't. Well, you did in Cinque Terre. Yes, I have done it before. That's <laughs> yes, true. We've all done it. We Cinque all Terre. did that. Yeah. But in this this case, I have already swam in cop reef, so I, it wasn't, you know, it was my fault. I forgot the bathing suit. So I was the only one that didn't swim, but they all took their first dip in the Tyranian Sea on their first ever day in Capri. 
And the little beach club that we walked to was officially closed for the season. So no lounge chairs or umbrellas that you have to pay for. But you could still swim, which they all did. And for someone's first time to the quote unquote beach in Capri, it's a bit funny and intimidating because we're accustomed to sandy beaches that you can just walk on normally. But these beaches <laughs> in Cabri are comprised of these small little rocks. And I kid you not, every single step you take, you sink down like a foot. It, they're just, they, they tumble down. There's no level surface. It just, it's a, it's a volcanic rock. So it goes straight down. So the few stones that are there, you step on it and you slip down. And they're really smooth from years yes. and millennials yes, and exactly. millenniums. Yes. <laughs> Not millennials, no, but millenniums of, of, of sea, just moving them around. Yes, exactly. So it was funny. And the thing is, you just, there's no way you can do it well if you're not a local. And keep in mind, these women, it's their first time there. They're in a bathing suit trying to not look like a novice, but clearly they were. And since I wasn't going in, I kept my sneakers on. And I just sat there and laughed along with them, the women I was with, because they knew how funny they looked <laughs> compared to the other average Italian woman, women. And there was one right next to us and she saw this and, you know, chuckled, but she wasn't making fun of them at all. But at one point she decided to go for a swim. And I kid you not, she gets up and she walked completely normally. Did she have a set of high heels on? No. no. <laughs> she walked completely normally from her stylish little beach towel, went to the water, took a swim without getting her hair wet. Italian women over 30 years old never, ever go under. They never get their hair wet. And she came back, walked normally back to her little area and sat down and started chatting incessantly with her friends. And meanwhile, the women I was with were so happy out there. I took pictures of them doing the funny, uh, what do you call it? Water ballet moves and waving <laughs> the clamshells. They were doing the clamshell water ballet. They were so happy being out there. And personally, I was so happy just watching them. It's a love. It's, it's not even lovely. It's stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. So it was funny and hysterical and they finally made it out. And they were very happy to have their first dip in the sea. And after that, we walked the few little uh, feet behind us to the little shack that I found out as we arrived was closing for the season that day, that minute. They were closing at like 5 p.m. So I begged Lanona. She was running the shop and she looked a little tired, to be honest. It's a long season. I begged her. I was like, please, can we just have one Aperol spritz? It's these women's first time, first day ever in Capri. They just took a swim, please. And then I like bribed her. I said, we'll give you like a huge American style tip just that we could sit here right now. So the granddaughter takes over from Lanona. She's like, non c'è problema. She heard the word tip. Yes. <laughs> so... So she made us an Aperol spritz or a couple of girls had a beer and she brought them out and we we're sitting on this little like um, kind of deck thing of this shack looking out at the sea. And of course, she brings out a little aperitif snacks, those delicious tarelli, tarelli from Puglia, those addictive little... Little circular. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, and a little bowl of potato chips and then another little bowl of something that we all laughed looked just like bugles, which 
um, are an American snack chip thing from the 70s and like this funky orange color. So we were all laughing at that. So drinking that spritz while looking at the view after their first swim was truly pure joy. And to me and then to all those girls there at that moment, even like the most simple thing like that, just having a swim, having an Aperol spritz, sitting on a funky wooden porch type thing of a shack, it was, it, it, it's just hard to beat. And then of course, one of them had to like put all five fingers, bugles on all five fingers and then eat <laughs> off them, which we did as kids. It was awesome. So after that, we walked the hundreds of steps back up. We all unpacked and hung out on the terrazza until it was time to walk uphill yet again into the village for dinner. And that village is also called Capri. As I've explained before, there's two villages on the island. One is called Capri and one is called Ana Capri. So we were staying closest to Capri. We never even made it to Ana Capri on this trip, to be honest. These stone steps or sidewalks are the original walkways from thousands and thousands of years ago. And the one in our area still carries the original name called Via Mulo, and Mulo means mule. And that's how they would carry all their goods to build a house, to plant things on a mule or a donkey. But the people themselves walked up and down the mountainous terrain on these steps since day one. And I guarantee you, that they are in much better condition now than they used to be because the island of Capri, the two little towns get together and maintain these steps. And you do get out of breath, but they are, they're not dangerous. They're very well maintained. And if the pathways, just keep this in mind, if they don't have a name like Via Mulo, then they're just simply called a salita, which means like a little sidewalk staircase. So even when you're out of breath, climbing up these steps, Think of the millions of people and mules and donkeys that have done it before you. And then you know, well, they all did it. We can do it. We're just going to dinner and then coming down. We can do it. We definitely had to stop a few times to catch your breath, which was fantastic because it was still light enough out. You could look out at the beautiful blue color when the the sun's going down Oh, on top of the Tyranian Sea. It was just like these shades of blue. It was stunning. So we went to a local restaurant um, on the very west side of the village of Capri, and we were the only foreigners in the entire place. But then again, it was, you know, late in the season. That is the beauty of the off-season, exactly. though. And there was a professional football or soccer team at the large table next to us, was, which was very entertaining. Lots of, <laughs> lots of, as you would say in reverse, eye candy, but... If we were in our 20s, it would have been a really fun, fun yes. evening. Yes. <laughs> they hardly noticed us, <laughs> but they were really nice and boisterous and celebrating the end of the season or whatever. And the restaurant was just the perfect choice for our first night. And obviously, Capri specializes in seafood. So we went for it, completely went for it. One or two women had a delicious spaghetti with these full-bodied prawns on top, eyeballs and all, you know, and they're large there. That, that's what you like, the eyeballs, right? Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Clap. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also ordered a very large seafood platter, and it had, I was looking at my pictures last night, it had broiled big steaks. Do you call that a cut of fish that's like almost like, Looks like a steak. 
what do you call it? Cut up fish like that. A fillet. Okay. Big fillet of broiled fish. There were clams, prawns, razor clams, which I haven't really seen that too often in my life. And stuffed mussels, you name it. And then there was one mystery item that none of us knew what it was. I asked the waiter. He told me, but I had no idea what that was in English. A couple of the girls tried it. I did not. Um, it was left on the platter when they when they removed it, along with the shells of the mussels and whatever. But at the end of the evening, the very friendly, funny waiter treated us all to limoncello. And you can never turn down a limoncello when you're in that area of Italy. Capri, from Napoli over to Capri, Procida, Ischia, and Amalfi. Limoncello. Ice cold. Every meal. One little shot, but you don't shoot it, you sip it. Right, right, right. It was delicious. So then we walked back down those stone steps, which is obviously much easier than going up. Except if you've had too many limoncellos. <laughs> Limoncello. Limoncello and Aperol Spritz. No, no, no. Everyone was totally fine. Okay. And we laid on the terrazza on these lounge chairs for a little bit. And then one by one, we all called it a night. The next morning, I woke up very early and walked onto the terrazza to see the view at first light. However, I wasn't the only one with that idea. Two of the women were out there before me, just sitting on the chairs, looking at the view. They weren't talking to each other. They didn't have a coffee or anything. They're just sitting there looking out. And I was like, buongiorno. And they turned and looked at me with this super content, happy face. It was an unbelievable way to wake up in Capri. And I think we're about out of time. I have so much to share about what we did on this island in just the three days that we were there. And most of it involved hiking the ancient paths, seeing views. I'm telling you, seeing views like you have never seen before from these like deep like forests on a cliff. And then all of a sudden there's a clearing. You see so many colors. Oh, just amazing. And walking amongst the ruins from Emperor Tiberius's palace, which he had built in 27 AD. And I know I mentioned that in a previous episode, but do think about that again now that I've described Via Mulo and the Salita, Salitas. Think of building a palace almost 2,000 years ago on the top of Capri. Incredible. Oof. Right? Backbreaking work. And quickly, I just want to say that my personal goal of these few days in Capri was to retrace my steps from my very first time to the island. I think it was 1992 when I was on that photo shoot. And I found one taker from the group who joined me because it was definitely a half-day commitment at least. And it, we didn't really get back to like 3 p.m. It was one of the days that I will cherish forever. It was absolutely spectacular. So I will share all of this in our next episode, finish up Capri, and then we move on down the, the Amalfi Coast. Okay? So next week, we're going to talk about Capri. <laughs> Again. <laughs> With car talk. With car talk. Okay, ciao, ciao, baby. <laughs> I'm not going there. Grazie mille e ciao, ciao. <laughs>